Last Thursday, we had a speaker for grassroots, a black minister by the name of Cleaver, and he told us what would what would what kings would do. And those of you who are there remember how he said, uh, "They will take your sons away from you. They will take your daughters. They will take your land. They will take your freedom." And the people said. We want a king like everybody else. And they got one. We have trouble trying to figure out what the kingdom of God really is. And this 13th chapter of Matthew covers that. Last two Sundays we dealt with the parable of the sower and then the parable of the tares or the weeds. And now we deal with five more pictures of what the kingdom of God is all about. It is important to remember that the kingdom of God is not like other kingdoms. God is not a king in the sense that we know of him. God is not a president. He's not, there's not a congress. There's no, there's no judicial system. All these things are not part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has seven different aspects. The first one we covered two Sundays ago, the parable of the sower. The word of God goes out through this world, and some will respond to it, but under persecution and ostracism fade away. Some will respond to it, but out of the temptations fade away. But some will go and allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow in their lives. Last Sunday we talked about the parable of the tares or the weeds. It would be so good if God would take and zap every weed so we wouldn't have to worry about the weeds. But as we talked about that, you know, Jacob himself would not have been a patriarch if he'd have been zapped by God when he was a young man. And also, it is so important to remember that sin also serves. It is no accident that through the struggles and the vicissitudes of life that we become spiritual, we grow up spiritually. Okay, then we come to the five other little images. The first of this is a mustard seed. Mustard seed is almost invisible, it is so small. Indeed, the kingdom of God seems to be something of no value. The kingdom of God <laughs> seems to be so little and so small in the face of the gross evil that we face in this world. How can we possibly overcome the gross evil that is part of this world. And yet, out of that little seed grows a plant that becomes so big that, it can find, that the birds of the air can find refuge in it. What a beautiful image of how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is like yeast, which a woman puts into the flour, makes bread, and it grows and it becomes 
and you bake it and you have a loaf of bread. Amazing. Can you make the yeast work? No. Can you inhibit or control the yeast? Yes. Can you destroy the yeast? Indeed you can. The kingdom of God is like the yeast of the Holy Spirit, the word that is in the, implanted in the soul of every human being. We have to deal with that yeast, whether we want to or not. And how we deal with it will determine our life quality in this world and eternal life to come. It is so important to recognize how the kingdom of God works in this yeast fashion. We're looking for something that we must do, what we must say, what we must become, and what God expects to us is to allow it to happen. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to do its work within us, we will become a loaf of bread, what we need to be. That's how God's kingdom works. The kingdom of God is like a treasure that somebody found in a field. He was surprised. He wasn't expecting it. But there it is. And he recognized it. And he went and sold everything he had so he could possess that treasure. On the other hand, a merchant is looking for a pearl and finds one of enormous price. Recognizing it, he sells everything he has so he might possess that pearl. Now, why did Jesus use a pearl instead of a ruby or a diamond or a sapphire? Because a pearl is developed through the irritant that is placed within the oyster. Somehow, through the struggles of life, through the sickness and the pain and all the things that are part of this life, we can become a pearl of great price. So we have the treasure in the field that was found accidentally and the treasure that was sought after found in the struggle of producing a pearl. And finally, the net. The net encompasses everybody. God's net is over the whole world. And eventually, when it's full at the time of fulfillment, whenever it is time, the net will be hauled in and the good fish will be separated from the bad fish. It is the iron law of this creation that, it will, that God will separate the tares, the weeds, from the wheat. This, will, this situation that when we are living in the midst of the weeds will not last forever. God will not allow the weeds to enter the kingdom of heaven because they would destroy that just like they destroyed the earth. Now, how does that Solomon story fit into it? I have to, I don't normally talk about personal matters, but I have to share something with you. I was confirmed in the Lutheran church when I was 13 after the confirmation service in which I committed my life to Jesus, we went to a camp, and there I reaffirmed my commitment. When I got home, this was, I was sent over to help my uncle, 
I was 13, I was driving a team of horses and cutting hay. Nobody thought there was anything wrong with that in those days. OSHA had not been heard of yet. And I was in a little tiny room up in the attic there where I slept, and I started reading the Bible through from cover to cover, not knowing any better. Well, some of those early stories were kind of hair-raising as far as I was concerned. Lot's wife and a few things like that, you see. But when I got to Solomon's thing, Aaron first, and uh, as Solomon made that promise in Kings, God asked him, what would you like? And Solomon said, I want the wisdom to govern your people. That struck home to me. And that's a prayer that I offered God. And God has granted it. I'm no Solomon. I'm no, and I intend to be much more faithful with what I have learned than Solomon was with what he knew. Because the third soil got him. The struggles and the temptations of life led Solomon into incredible behavior. But you see, God gives us gifts. And on the counter over here, there's the current edition of Connections, which is based on all the stories are about, all the articles are about God's gift and what he has for us. Each of us has a gift. We didn't ask for it, probably. We didn't seek it. We didn't, we didn't deserve it. But God has given us a gift. He's given that gift to us as individuals and as a collective group. I don't know what the witness of the first century Christian fellowship is going to be. I have some idea, but God has a plan for this group. He doesn't have, doesn't just give people all kinds of goodies and expect nothing in return, because in return, we grow as we give what we have. And that's the principle upon which the kingdom of God works. We get as we give what we've got. Then Paul describes that great pearl in, a, in this way. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who He who did not withhold his only son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yea, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, we are, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to those words. In all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, rulers, things present, nor things to come can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a magnificent pearl God has given to us. What a treasure. That is the word of God which comes into our life. We can walk with it or we can deny it. We can walk with it or allow the things of this world to tempt us away from it. We can walk with it and allow it to bear fruit in our lives as individuals and as a collective group. We live in the midst of the weeds. If you have any doubt of that, you could listen to some of the news things from last week. There are a lot of weedy things going on out there. God is not going to take us away from the weeds, but he is going to allow us to be the witness for a life that's different from the weeds. And it is a mustard seed. It is so small it seems insignificant, but it grows to the greatest thing of all. Look at what happened in the early church. Eleven scared men with various women were upstairs trying to make sense out of the death of the one they thought was the Messiah. Within a hundred years, that faith had spread from India to Britain, to North Africa, to the Crimea. Crimea. A mustard seed. But look what it did through groups just like this one. Because this is how they met. The only difference is that we don't have to worry about the soldiers coming and sending us into the Colosseum. So we're not meeting at nighttime when nobody can see who's here. And we're not quite sure who all is here, so we can't be put under torture and tell them. But it began just like this, as a mustard seed. And it is a yeast, because that yeast works in your heart and mine. In the midst of all our hurts and pains and everything else that is part of this life, the yeast works to draw us closer to our Savior. Out of the pain and struggle, a pearl develops. We are those pearls. The net of God is cast into the sea. No one can escape it. At the time, at the time when the net is hauled in, and we don't know when that is, a day will come when the angel of death will call for us. It may be long, it may be short. That is not the relevant matter. The relevant matter is, are we fish that can be saved and are useful or are we various other things that are useless and are thrown away and are burned and destroyed that's what's going to happen that's the kingdom of God and it doesn't depend upon what some ruler says what some president says what some committee says or what some congress says that is the kingdom of God the word of God let loose in the world in the midst of the terrors, a tiniest thing that grows into multiple things, and a yeast that develops, a treasure for which we sell all that we have, all that we have to obtain. 
because the net will one day gather us and the net will gather us in such a way that we will go into the kingdom of God or into the destruction. The question is, when we see this pearl, will we sell all that we have to possess it? When we recognize the treasure, will we sell all that we have to possess it? This is the kingdom of God. It is not like any other kingdom. We are different. We march to a different tune. We're not part of the things of the world. We must accept that as a reality. We do not function the way the, th the people of the world do. We are called out ones, called out from the world to live a different kind of life, to march to a different tune. And by the grace and strength and beauty of God, he will give us the gifts and the strength and the grace for that walk. Amen.